to the 10 and 2 podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Catlin. And we're here every few weeks <laughs> talking watches, <laughs> photography, adventure, and exploring the world of horology. I thought you were just going to cut it at, and we're here. And we're, <laughs> and we're here, coming to you live. Uh, ish. Ish. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we're live, but like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How's it going? <laughs> it is going good. I know. We, uh. We don't get to see each other too often no, now. Uh, no. So it's even, it's it's more special when we get to record a podcast. Yeah. Also, like, we, I mean, we've been hanging out for a hot minute. We have. So far, so. Well, we had a lot of um, catching up to do. Because we, we, again, we just don't see each other. No. And there was last year during the pandemic, you know, we were together like twice a week almost, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say the good days. That, no. It was also it, the pandemic. It was. But. No, 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 no. I mean, even even before before like the new job, like yeah. it was a weekly thing. But yeah, life just gets busy. And I mean, it, definitely not complaining. I think we've, no. we've both been like super busy and working on some really exciting projects, which is Very. awesome. Um, so can't complain. But then yeah. it's like, man, to hang out or like record a podcast. I know. Well, and and like I've told a lot of people, like our relationship at the end of the day is what comes first. Yeah. And there would be no podcast if we weren't friends. And we have to have that time to, to just hang out. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry you guys miss us, but yeah. like <laughs> I miss Kat more. So Yeah. And 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 look, you know, we'll, we'll, we've talked about, you know, our new jobs take up a lot of time and the, and they do, but we we do love what we're yes. doing right now. We're no, so passionate so about happy. it. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we are going to be a little less frequent uh, with our podcast, but we're still here and we're, we're happy to be here and happy to chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get started, what are you wearing on the wrist today? I am wearing the Black Bay Blue. Cool. So just it's a more recent pickup. I don't mm-hmm. think I've talked about it on the pod. I think we've done there's a lot of watches we haven't <laughs> talked about on the podcast. I think we've done one episode since. But no, I mean, I, I picked it up at the end of last year um, after I said I wasn't buying any more watches. And then, of course, like, you know, you buy more watches because that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, no, but I mean, I love it. Like, it, it's a watch that, you know, um, I feel like I kind of like that. Not a lot of people know that I have it, but now you guys do. Um, because everybody says that we talked hella crap about it uh, when it was launched. And that's not what we didn't talk about the watch. We no. just talked about the laziness of watch brands. And I think at the end of the day, you guys can agree. Watch brands are getting very lazy. A lot of watch brands are with their releases and just taking the same thing, change of the color and calling it a day. Mm-hmm. I still love the watch. and Well, and there was yeah. some controversy around how that watch how got released. released, too. Right, right, right. At the time yeah. um, that we weren't really too happy with, but you know, we we did like the watch. Yeah. We did like the blue, and now you have it. Now so. I have it. Yeah. So I have a blue watch back in my collection. Yeah. Um. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> I think a lot of y'all know that I have a very love hate relationship with blue watches mm-hmm. because I try and match it with blue jeans too yeah. much. I, I at the end of the I know this sounds so trivial, but like that's what it, that's where my love hate relationship is. Is it's, yeah. it's with trying to match my jeans with my watch. It is. I I really love that watch. I love the Black Bay 58. It yeah. is, to me, one of the most perfect dive watches out there. It's affordable. You can get one. Um, they are just so good looking, aesthetically pleasing. It 
I mean, I won't lie. Like it probably looks better on my wrist than my sub does because it looks like it fits me better because my sub's mm-hmm. big, you yeah. know, and, and I'll admit that it's, it's, it's probably too big for me really. Um, Nothing's <laughs> no, I know, but just proportion wise, when, when I put one of those on, I'm like, damn, this just, it looks good. It mm-hmm. really looks good. I haven't seen a wrist that it looks bad on, to be honest. It's, it's small enough for those with smaller wrists. It's small enough that even on the bigger wrist people, it looks really good. Yeah. It looks very vintage like, and I love that. It looks like a vintage sub and I really, really like yeah. that style. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> there's days I'm like, I could sell my sub, I could pocket all this money and I could just <laughs> get a Black Bay 58, like the, you know, the OG. I don't know. Maybe one day I will. I haven't. I haven't come to that decision just yet. The watch but collection is always changing. It's always changing, and that's okay because I'm always changing. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not the person that I was when I first got in this hobby like four or five years ago. You know, I had different tastes back then. I have yeah. different tastes now. And there's watches I regret selling. There's watches I'm glad I sold because it's not me anymore. But it's it's part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? What are you wearing? Um, today? I'm wearing my Cartier Santos today. Um, I don't even think I've talked about no, this because I got so it for many, my birthday right, a few right, weeks right. ago. And um, you know, it was a Happy watch belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, as a watch that I've I've not always wanted. I've always liked the look of them, but recently I've just been like really looking at them, looking at them hard where I'm following the hashtag on Instagram. I'm watching every video. And I had watched uh, one of our friends, Evan, who is uh, your terrific one on Instagram and his YouTube channel. And I probably watched his video six or seven times. And I was DMing with him one day on Instagram and he's like, "I'm, I'm selling mine. And, you know, I just couldn't say no. Yeah. I couldn't say no. So um, I bought it from him. He, he took really, really good care of it. His video, if you haven't seen it, is really awesome. All of his videos are. He has this like, um, <laughs> it's a dry sense of humor. Yeah. And I, I, he's one of my favorite YouTubers right now. He really <laughs> is. Um, the quality of his videos are insane. I don't know what he uses to record, but um, yeah, they're just, they're really great. Yeah. Because I think the, overhead, I don't know what you call it, the like flat lay type, you know, YouTube videos, you don't see his face or anything. You just see his hands. I think those are a little underrated. Mm-hmm. They were very popular at one time and then they kind of got away and everyone's doing all the lifestyle stuff. And, you know, it, it's great to see the personalities on there. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But what he does, there's, there's such an art to that too. And sometimes I just want to see a watch review. I want to see the watch as closely mm-hmm. as possible. And he does a great job of that. And he yeah. brings some humor to the table too. So. Um, thank you, Evan. I, I love, love, love the watch. And uh, I think he's got another so Cartier maybe coming in his collection soon. Really? So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I feel like, so first of all, once you follow the hashtag on Instagram, mm-hmm. it, it's happening. Like It probably is. Yeah. Because then like, it's just like in your feed constantly. Right. You can't not do it. But no, I've been crushing on Cartier. I mean, we, we've we had these conversations, yeah. I think, for probably the last six months. Like, yeah. It, it's something that. I mean, I feel like it's almost a little overwhelming because so many of their watches, they don't make a lot of variety mm-hmm. in watches, but they do produce a lot of watches. Yeah. So, like, I really just need to go to a dealer and really sit down and, like, try on a little bit of everything. There's so I many variations. Say, yeah. There's variations the of the Santos. There's variations the, of the tank. Mm-hmm. There's And there's something for everybody. They make a lot of different sizes. I have the medium for those that I, I didn't really say, but I bought the medium with no date, mm-hmm. uh, white dial. And, um, you know, there's, there's all these different sizes. And 
I like when a brand keeps their like core collection very small, but yeah. then does the variations of that core collection. And and their brand, kind of like Rolex, that they just have these classic timepieces yeah. and they build they build off of that. And I I really appreciate yeah. that. Um but yeah, there's so many, so many cool models. No, I mean, I can't even narrow it down between a tank and a Santos right now. So like, I'm, it's I'm hard. Square one. You, you so, liked uh, the solar. I love the solar powered tank. Powered one. I think that that's such a cool underrated watch. But then like, there is part of me that like, maybe as I get a little older into the hobby, I don't want to say as I get older, because I mean, like, I don't feel like I'm that old most of the time, but like maybe as I grow into the hobby, like there's a part of me that kind of wants like a gold watch, mm-hmm. um, and, gold and like tank. a gold tank, Ooh, right? That exactly. would be nice, yeah, right. It's like it's such an iconic watch, and I think if you're gonna get a gold, and gold is let's face it, gold is not cheap. So, no. but I think if you're going, like you can get such gold great vintage. deals on gold vintage tanks, yeah. and trust me, I've been looking. Um, it's always kind of like <laughs> like. My casual, you know, you know, we all like yeah. casually stroll through eBay for no reason or yeah. like Chrono 24 for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always something I'm just kind of like on the lookout for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You don't know. The tough life choices. It is. The first world problems. It continues along with our first world <laughs> problem conversation from earlier about watches. <laughs> we spent like an hour discussing our watch collections and. Uh, where we need to slim down and where we want to keep them and just we were just having a deep we should have recorded it probably, probably. but that's okay we it was, it was deep I mean conversation. it's interesting because you know we we went from I we joked about all the watches right mm-hmm. like you know there's now like hashtag all the watches and mm-hmm. you know that was just kind of like a thing and now I it's so funny how in the last you you definitely started like consolidating down and now like I'm really in this mindset of consolidation yeah um and it's so crazy how different things are for us like just to not I don't want all the watches anymore like Mm -hmm. you know I don't know if it if it's because also like working from home like I don't really wear a lot of watches anymore now anyways um but I just don't need like all these watches all the time like it it's not that it stresses me I mean I guess it does like having them just sit there but I feel like they're just kind of wasted and they deserve a better life yeah right like that's what I'm Uh, that's the thing that kills me is the justification of having pieces sitting in the safe that I don't wear yeah and even if they're $500 it's a $500 watch right at one point I would have never spent $500 on a watch and now I just have like you know, however many of them just sitting mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Well, I've gotten my collection down to about seven or eight pieces, you know, minus a G-Shock here and there. Um, but like, I think that that's a good number for me. I think under 10 is a good number. I feel like I'm rotating them enough where I'm wearing all of them. Yeah. I've had a collection that was nearly like close to 30 in the past of just a shit ton of pieces. Yeah. And you just don't wear them. There's no way. And and I'm not saying that there are people that have that many. And if they can wear them and feel justified, that's great. I couldn't personally. Yeah. Um, but I think like that, you know, seven, eight number, it's it's a good number to be at. I, you know, I bought this watch recently. Some have gone. Some have not gone. I've, I have a watch that's being made for me. It's being custom made for me now. And then like that will come in. I'm not planning on getting rid of anything for that watch. Right. I just have to kind of like tell myself, is this watch incoming? <laughs> Do I feel like I need to get rid of something to justify it or am I okay like not getting rid of anything? Yeah. And it's just a hard conversation I have to have with myself and think about. 
But um, yeah, it's it's funny like how far that we have come from yeah. first collecting for sure. No, I I mean it's it's just I guess it is that honest conversation you have with yourself of, you know, for me, I'm a very opportunistic buyer. And like, I, I was having this conversation impulse? with somebody a very, I would no, you're not. I don't think you no, are because I do stress out about making you, purchases. You do. You do. But I'll stress out about making a purchase. But if I get a good enough deal, like I it's will hard buy to say it no. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like it has to be a impossible to say no. And, and, you know, one of the pros of, of being in this podcast and knowing so many people and the connections we've made is like, we have a lot of people that give us some good deals. And then it's like hard to say no. And our friends know that too. Yeah. It's really quite rude of them actually. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Like, you know, we're we. Yeah. Please don't. Don't talk to me. <laughs> well, no, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And um, yeah. I, I really want to get to a point where I buy things because they mean a lot to me. Yeah. Not because it was beautiful. I love it. And I got a great deal on it. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and I, I, ha- I have two watches that, you know, I've bought to celebrate something. We I have yeah. the fears that we both bought mm-hmm. for the podcast. And then I have the Norcane that I bought to celebrate my new job. But like, I, I think kind of going forward, like that's how... I want to buy watches. I want to buy something that like is going to symbolize something to me or like, you know, it's sentimental for some reason. Yeah. That's a good way to go about it for sure. And I think those pieces probably will stay in your collection longer because they do have a meaning behind them. Everything stays in my collection forever. Yeah. I talk about selling them and then never do. Yeah, so. I have no problem selling. I'll I'll, I'll let it lazy. go quickly. Can somebody develop like a super lazy platform for selling watches? Like yeah, eBay. I mean, not, not even. I don't even want to have to take pictures of oh, them. Oh, like, well, that's, that's not going to go over well. <laughs> <laughs> Just find a friend that's willing to buy it from know, you. That's I the know. easiest way. The Instagram stories selling yeah. watches is really a great... Yeah, because I feel like um, you just do one story and you're like, I'm getting rid of this. Someone DM me if you want it. Yeah. And uh, usually it's gone. Yeah. So that is a good way. Is. I just, I'm hesitant about it because I don't know everyone that's on Instagram. And I feel safer when I'm selling through like a forum where people have had reviews yeah. and things like that. Um, but just, the problem with the forum is you have to have the... The pictures. And, well, not even that. You also have to have like... credibility behind you you do but everyone starts somewhere you know you sell something on the cheaper end and then you build up from there and if you have yeah I mean I started with nothing and you know people sold to me and I bought from people but like I said you kind of have to you kind of have to start at the bottom don't don't get on there and sell a $10,000 watch for your first (laughs) your very first purchase it's not gonna happen um there should be like a yard sale for watches. Yeah. Like pawn shop. There's a pawn shop. Just take it over come, there. Come to my garage. I'm going to have my watch box <laughs> open. Like, just pick what you want. Well, I wouldn't, I would now. be careful about advertising that. That, no. that might be. Difficult. Fortunately, nobody knows where I live. So. I don't even know where you live. Really? I, 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 I've that. never been over there. I've never been to your house. Um, well, today we, we've got a, a pretty fun podcast. We we do these every once in a while and it's a Q&A and we've been gone for so long that um, we thought this would be a good time to kind of connect with our listeners and you yeah. guys have had a lot of questions and uh, there's some really good ones on here. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very excited. Do you want to start us off since you have it? Since I have it pulled up? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pick one here. Um Okay, this is um, 
from David R. Ross, R-O-S. What's the most positive change you've seen in the watch industry during the last few years? Mm. I want to say inclusivity. Like just kind of, first of all, with women in the industry and in the hobby in general, um, I feel like in the last few years, like we see more women uh, on Instagram, you know, on social media, things like that. Um, as well as just like actually working in the industry. But I think like just inclusivity in general, I think um, when I started really getting into the hobby and maybe it was just kind of where I was in the hobby, but I feel like it, it was a little bit more of a of a very exclusive sort of atmosphere. And I think now like I, I freaking love that people nerd out over G-Shocks just as much as they nerd out over like APs and Pateks. Like mm-hmm. I think it's super cool. I think that... You know, especially because I come from like the way, you know, the way that I was raised, the way both of us were raised. Neither Mm -hmm. of us had like wealthy families or, Mm -hmm. you know, grew up well off. And I think that when you get into a hobby like this, it can be very intimidating because you can go from a hundred dollar watch to a million dollar watch. Like there's a whole lot, you know, in the middle. So I like that in the last few years, I feel like it's much more welcoming to lower price points. And I don't know if that's because like the micro brand sphere has like really exploded the way that it has. And a lot of those watches are between like three and eight hundred dollars. But yeah, I, I just I really like how much more inclusive it is. I feel like it's a little bit more welcoming. It still has its issues. But I think that it, not just the hobby, but the industry is starting to be much more inclusive. You see brands who, you know, they're being more inclusive in the way that they market the, you know, the, even just in in advertising in general, you see more ethnicities being represented in advertising, which I really appreciate and really Mm -hmm. like. Um, Yeah. I I think just more inclusivity. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have much to expand. I think you, I I, I agree with you. Um, I think the only thing I could think of would be, I mean, there's a lot of positive, don't get me wrong, but um, I think that the way that brands are connecting with the community, I I really like, and I hope that that continues on. I think during COVID, we saw a time where um, brands relied on their connection with us rather than just plain marketing and and we didn't have a say and brands are really listening to us now. And and I like to see that and uh, I hope that continues on. Yeah. Year ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, I thought I thought you were still going. I did sound I like was I was like, going to continue. Yeah. I, I stopped it. I stopped it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that there's there's definitely much more openness, you know, from mm-hmm. brands, which I really like. Yeah. Um, I really liked this question from uh, Robert underscore and underscore Issa. Um, how have your lives changed since you first became watch enthusiast? Watch enthusiast. Yes. Um, our lives have definitely changed because we broke. <laughs> yeah, we are broke. Um, I mean, it does take a lot of time. When I first got into this this hobby, I read a lot. I would be on the forums up up at night, you know, super late, and just because I want, I was so curious, right? right? And I don't, I don't go to that level anymore because I, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit more jaded about it. I should, but um, 
yeah, I think it it is it can be a time consumer for yeah. sure. You know, and especially with like Instagram, it's hard to not hop on to scroll. And the fact that like I spend so much of my day like checking Instagram, checking other people's watches is still a very weird thing. And I don't get on my personal account with like family and friends nearly as much and I I kind of wish that I would a little bit more, but um yeah, I think that's something that kind of changed for me personally. I don't think, obviously, I spend more money on watches now than I ever did in the past. And I have a little less loose change in my pocket because of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we started this podcast and this kind of became a job for us. And um, I don't know. What do you think? How, how do you answer that? You know, that? I do wonder... How how we would be as watch enthusiasts if the podcast never came along, or if we never met, Our, oh, we never I became wanna, friends. I don't want to know that part. Yeah, of it. Uh, we still met, but like we yeah. don't have the podcast. We yeah. still hang out once a week in my fantasy world. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that you know, and I, if if there's anybody in the media space uh, or probably in the industry who tells you otherwise, I think that they're they're definitely you know kind of lying. I think. <laughs> I think once you're sorry, not to call y'all out, but once you're, I feel like once you're like on this side of things, it's easy to become a little jaded, right? Mm -hmm. Because like we don't have to, there was an excitement. I remember the days that you were talking about, like I would every single day, I would be on Hadinki's website, a blog to watch's website. Like I'd be everywhere reading about every new watch that came Mm -hmm. out and like I read everything and I consumed so much information. But, like, now we're sent everything. We're sent every press release. So, like, you just, like, I know, you know, when I wake up in the morning because Switzerland's seven hours ahead of time, you know, I already have, like, like in our our 10 and 2 email box, like, Mm -hmm. we already have a slew of press releases. And it's just, like... I don't want to say jaded and sound like I'm ungrateful for it, but like it, it, I feel like it's a very different experience when you're on this side of things. So I wonder where I would be, what kind of watch clutter I would be if we never had the podcast. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I would have even naturally discovered micro brands because mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like the the first time I started really paying attention to microbrands was with the podcast. Yeah. You know, and and I think that there's so much great thing there's so many great things that this has that being on this side of the hobby has done for us mm-hmm. as far as like I've experienced so many more brands than I ever would have experienced. But I just wonder like where I would be in my watch clutching journey yeah. without it. I agree. You know? Yeah. It's it's kind of a it's I guess it is like the more I think about this question, it's a little harder to to answer. But definitely, like, I, I kind of miss the enthusiasm that, like, I used to have. There are still watches that really excite me, but not everything excites me like it used to. Yeah. You know, I... I can see that. Yeah. So, if that makes sense. It does make if sense. If I don't sound like I'm super <laughs> jaded and, like, spiteful. That's not how it's intended, guys. <laughs> this, is a, this is a fun question from... Um, Nick likes watches. What's the longest you could wear just one watch and which watch would that be? Can I like piss everybody off for a minute? What are you going to say? I could wear the Apple watch all day, every day. And be happy with it? Yeah. I mean, I'd be content. Like, I I do wear the Apple watch every day. Like, a lot of times working from home, it's the only watch that I wear. Um, But I think like in my current collection... I don't know. I mean, I can't. I don't know which watch it would be that I could wear for an extended period of time, but I can do it. I think mm-hmm. what, like two years ago, I started 
when I travel on vacation, just wearing taking one watch because it's yeah. too stressful. It's too much. Like, why do why do we need to take six watches on vacation? Yeah. We don't. <laughs> We're being extra for no reason, y'all. Um, <laughs> but if you want to go for it, do it. But yeah, I started taking one watch, and it it there is a liberation in mm-hmm. just having one watch, like. Um, you don't have to think about it. Like yeah. today getting dressed, like I, I really wanted to wear the, the two, four, five, but like, I really just got this new blouse that I spilled soy sauce on at lunch today. <laughs> um, and it, I was like gray and beige don't match together. So yeah. like I had to pick a whole new watch. It was a whole ordeal. If I only yeah. had the one watch, I wouldn't have even thought about it. I think I've thought a lot less now about if my watch matches or not. It's more about what watch I just want to uh. wear. You know, more than I, I just don't even care if that it matches. Nice. I don't. I don't care. I just want to wear it. Man, that yeah. does sound like liberating. <laughs> it's what I feel like Screw wearing. Screw it. I'm gonna wear this watch anyway. <laughs> um. Okay. So what? Like, I mean, what about you? Is there? Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I've I've taken watches with me on week long trips, and um, you know, I I guess he says, "What's the longest you could wear just one watch?" I don't think I could go more than like. I think I could do it, but. If I had a choice longer than like a month, I think a month is a good time to like wear one watch for a month. And I think after that, I'd really start itching because I go away for like a week at a time with one watch and I'm already by that like seven or eighth day, I'm ready to like put something else on. I think it's harder when you have other watches here. Mm-hmm. Like like yeah. if I know that I have a whole watch box, yeah, what, I'm not going to want to wear just one watch. Yeah. But I could be a one watch person. Oh, I, I could be too. Be. Yeah. But like, I feel it's possible. Definitely. It's just, it's difficult. And I I would say like, if I had to choose right now, it would be about a month. I think a month's time. I'm like, a month is a long time. It's a long time. But like, I think about it. I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember last year I made that deal with, with James about wearing my, my Seamaster. And I pretty much wore it for, for a month. Cause both of you guys were supposed to wear the same watch for like a whole month. And he like, yeah, he, he failed on like the second week or something. He was already wearing something else, but that was, that was a fun game. Yeah. But I think, you know, you have to have that watch that you really, really love. Yeah. Um, Oh, I didn't answer that. I guess like my sub. Oh, so easy. I forgot about like, yeah. The sub. Just wear it. I could wear it for a long time. Yeah. Never get tired of it. I think the important thing, like, I think for, for both of us, really, in our collections, we both, all of our watches are everyday watches. All mm-hmm. of our watches could be a one-watch collection. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. They feel like, that bill, for yeah, sure. I, yeah, I think that, and that's something that I really kind of look at when I buy, wa- I mean, all of our, like, nicer watches, G-Shocks aside and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But, like, they could all just be a one-watch collection. Like, yeah. As I'm thinking about my watches from, you know, Norcane, Omega, Grand Seiko, Tudor, like everything could just be on its own Mm -hmm. for sure. They're standalone pieces. Yeah. We don't have like a super dressy watch or a super, um, you know, vintage. We have a couple, you know, you have a couple vintage pieces, but there's nothing that like. But like the main collection. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're good. Like if you only could have one watch, they all, they all fit the bill. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. From uh, Walter Watch, what is your favorite automatic watch complication? Ooh, automatic watch complication. I mean, it's hard for me not to say GMT. I think we've been asked this before. I just, there's something so cool about a GMT watch. Um, And I love the extra hand on the dial. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a different color. And it adds a little playfulness to the watch. And 
it's not really useful to me most of the time. I, I like to buy them. I've had several in my collection now. So I guess that has to be my favorite if I bought. Yeah. You know, I don't have very many moon phases and probably because I can't afford them. But I mean, they're cool too. But uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I don't know. I say GMT. I agree. I mean, I think there's that, so many. I mean, there's so many great complications yeah. like perpetual calendars and things like that. I just don't. They I don't, would never own a perpetual calendar, y'all. Like, I, I'm not gonna put this watch on a winder, yeah. and I'm not gonna remember to wind it, and then I'm gonna have to reset this entire freaking thing. Yeah, yeah. no way. I think like the old vintage watches that had like alarms in them. I thought those were kind of cool. Yeah, those are pretty cool. I don't, I, w- I wouldn't use it, but there's so many really interesting complications when you get into, especially the vintage pieces. Mm-hmm. Even Omega's done some cool ones with like, what's the, that sport that's like, um, well, they have like a soccer timer. They yeah. have, they have the sail, what is the sailboat? The regatta. The, the regatta, regatta timer. Or yacht. Love, it's a yacht, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love, well, it's, yeah, it's like sailing. Yacht racing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. Sailing and, okay. yeah. But um, I love those old regattas. It's the old regattas and the old apneas where it has that actual color changing wheels, like the rings. I freaking love those. I think those are so, I should try and pick one up. Honestly, the most useful complication on any watch that I use is a dive bezel. I I use that Mm. thing all the time. And now with a chronograph in my collection, I I time stuff too. Do you? Yeah, I do. That's so funny. Yeah. What do you time? Out of curiosity. The last thing I timed, and I haven't worn that, my Speedmaster in a little bit, but we were... I was arguing with my husband about how long it was going to take to get us from point A to B to a, this place we the were going only to. Reason you need a and I was like, well, I'm about to start my chronograph right now. And uh, then I forgot that I turned it on. <laughs> it was like well, so course. late by the time we got there. But yeah, that was the last thing. I, I just, I find little things in my day to, to use it for. Um, I use it to take breaks when I'm working. I'll put the dive bezel, I'll turn it to an hour. So then I know after an hour, yeah. I need to stand up. I need to move around. Obviously, if you have an Apple watch, they tell you to do that now too but um yeah i find all sorts of reasons to use it so i i I, that's probably my most used um it's not limited to an automatic watch of course there's there's uh, quartz watches out there with that too but as much as i like a gmt i i I love a freaking dive bezel for no, sure. I think a GMT will always like be my favorite. Yeah. Um, especially now that like I have like a GMT that I really love in the collection. I think yeah. the hard part about GMTs to me, and we've talked about this, is especially in sportier watches, it always has a lot of color. Like very rarely do you just get a very basic GMT without a lot of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I absolutely love like the Norcane GMT where it has just the real subtle like Pepsi on the inside of the dial. Um you know, it, it's very simple and I, I like that. But like, I just, I mean, I, I do like, I had the Speedmaster with the moon phase. I love the moon phase. It's, but it's a dumb complication. I never even had it set, but it like looks pretty. It looks really <laughs> it looks pretty. really pretty. And let's face it, that's all I wear watches for anyways. Um, no, but I think GMTs are, you know, because I do like, I like to, you know, I I have several friends in the UK, so like being able to just like, and that's just the time that I have it set on. I yes, I can count six hours ahead. That's yeah. not difficult, but like for me, I just like to do it. I like to, mm-hmm. I like to look down at my watch and like think about like you know friends that I like people that I talk to regularly, and you know it's just kind of nice, like or. Yeah, I know what the cows are up to, yeah. what the coos are doing. So, I, and I think from I think it's probably one of the most practical complications. I do love, I still love that protected, that like weekly 
calendar. Yeah. Um, I think if you're in a business setting that that's a super cool, like practical complication. Chronographs. I never used my Speedmaster chronograph, actually. I feel like I used it out of obligation to say that I used it. Like, if you don't use your chronograph while you're cooking your Thanksgiving turkey, are you even <laughs> a Speedmaster owner? But, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that that's really about it. Like, I mean, sometimes they come in handy because, like, okay, you're in the kitchen, you have the microwave timer, you have your oven timer. Sometimes you need, like, you have 8,000 options for cell phone timers. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but a lot of times what happens is like I'm, my phone is open because I'm like looking right, at recipes. Right. So it's just easy like to, no, to mean, set yeah. the chronograph if I'm wearing if I happen to be wearing it. Yeah. More um, of the story is kitchens should have more timers. Like yeah. Yeah. Really should like, be. Why is there only one oven timer and one microwave timer? Yeah. Like that's no, stupid. It is stupid. For the three meals a year that I prep <laughs> that I need more timers. It's, it's a real inconvenience to my Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter dinners. Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right. So um, I want to ask you a question about Norcane here. So this is okay. by Time Flies by 2020. Uh, he says, obvious choice. What's new for 2022 on the Norcane front? Like lots of things. Yeah. It, I think it's going to be a really exciting year. First of all, like I'm excited because it's going to be my first like full year with the brand. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, my first like big event with the brand coming up next week, which I'm stupid excited about. Yeah. Um. By the time this airs, it might be like last week, whatever. <laughs> but like it, it's fine. Um, you know, I, I think that you're going to see a much bigger presence. I think the brand, you know. It's easy to forget that the brand is only a couple of years old. And like, even I struggle with that, like, Mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they are located in so many dealers. Um, I think it's easy to, to forget that, you know, they're realistically just put out their first watches in 2019, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's a very young brand, but there's some exciting additions to the collections coming out, which obviously I can't talk about, but like. They're exciting, (laughs) y'all. You know, and I think you're going to just see a bigger presence. I think you're going to see, you know, you're definitely going to see more retailers starting to carry Norcane. Though the word is definitely getting out. I can see, you know, I can see it from my end. I think a lot of us, like in general, I I hear a lot more about Norcane. Um, So I'm excited to see that side of it. It's very like... I hate to keep using the word exciting, but like <laughs> it's very exciting. It's exciting, guys. <laughs> um, no, but I, it it really is like it. It's so different being on this side of a business where, like, especially at such a young age, where you can really see like that sort of growth and the impact and things like that. And it, it's something that I mean, even in just the couple of months that I've been there, like, I'm very proud of like what's been accomplished. But mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a really big year for the brand um, and a really big year, like in every aspect, like the marketing, like we, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about marketing. We've had a lot of conversations about products, um, things like that. And I think that there's going to be some really fun stuff coming out um, that I can't go into details about. So, <laughs> like, Just keep your eyes on the North yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. Watch the space. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Let's, Oh, well, let's, so since you asked me a Norcane question, let's talk about you for a second. Oh. Um, from your, you got to meet uh, Spence up in uh, Vale. I did. You were with the Orski trip. Uh, so Spence is from the Whiskey and Watches podcast, and he asked, what was your favorite part of the Oris trip? Oh, well, how nice of him to ask that. Uh, it was honestly like just connecting with the people that were there. I mean, yeah. the, don't get me wrong. The watches were very cool and exciting. Um, you know, we're big fans of Oris. But yeah, I 
because of the pandemic, we have missed out on a lot of events and um, connecting with some of the people that we normally would connect with. And I got to meet a lot of people I've never met before. I've mm-hmm. talked to through DMs and that was just really exciting. I, I got to you know talk with Rolf and, and he's such a nice guy. And um, of course we have a relationship with VJ, but getting to meet you know the man behind the brand now and, and all the changes that Oris has done has been, yeah. you know, done through him and um yeah it was it was exciting uh, it was a lot of fun but the people definitely made the trip well worth it and I, I'm, I'm glad that I went it was also yeah. very cold <laughs> very cold <laughs> it was very cold <laughs> but it was great to meet Spence he's a great guy and if you haven't listened to the whiskey and watches podcast you should he definitely knows his stuff about whiskey and can hold his own pretty dang well <laughs> um but yeah such a great guy and, and good people no cool no I mean we were just having this conversation I've talked to them a couple of times you know through social media and yeah so it is cool like that's what I enjoy about like a lot of these events is to actually be able to meet people and, and talk to them face to face and I, I, I love watches but I love watches because how they connect so many different people yeah. and different industries and different backgrounds and we all have this one tiny tiny little thing in common and that's the watch on yeah. our wrist and uh yeah I just love the conversation that sparked from it I've met people on that trip through the, you know the driver that took us from the hotel to the airport that was kind of you know interested in watches and I don't know it's just this like super cool thing and um you know there's people that have it out there with cars and with um uh, what else? Bikes and other hobbies, photography, but um, the watch community is just so different than yeah. anything else I've experienced. And my dad, you know, I, I did the car thing growing up and car shows and stuff like that. And it's just just a different. It's a different atmosphere. It's very family like, um, for the most part. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I'm glad you had a good time. Thanks, Spence, for the question. That was a good question. Oh, it's my turn. My bad. Um, <laughs> it's fine. We don't record these often. <laughs> Oh man. Um there was okay, so uh, watch it eighty eight ask, when is two tone making its big comeback? I think two tone is here. That's what honestly. I think. I I think so too. I'm kind of I think that almost every major watch brand is doing a two tone variation mm-hmm. of like all of their watches at this point. Not what well, does Tudor have a two tone in anything? No, they did just launch solid gold though. Yeah, so. they have bronze, like two tone bronze, stainless steel. I would love to see like a two tone. Classic Black Bay? No, oh, no, they they launched a Tudor Royale collection, and they have some two tone versions of that. Don't oh, they? I forgot about the Tudor Royale. I haven't oh, seen yeah, anybody with that watch. Isn't that kind of odd? No, I don't think. I've so. not seen a single person with that. And we, I don't think the U.S. is a big market for that. No, watch. I think it can't it was, be. It was originally launched in like the Asian yeah. market. I just, then, like, I've not seen a single person like here. on Instagram that has that watch. Yeah. Um, I thought it was decent. It's very different, but yeah, it must've just not done very well. I kind of forgot about it, but, uh, yeah, like you said, every major watch brand has a two-tone at this yeah. point. And I mean, look at the, the sale of that latest, you know, Explorer, the Explorer, the two-tone, yeah. it did really well. And I think I'd love to see more two-tone. I'm a huge fan. Um, you know, I even thought about getting the Santos in a, in a two tone, but I, there's going to be something. Ooh, I, I I want I get a two tone Cartier. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm. I I definitely am here for the two tone uh, watches for sure. No, I think um, I think a lot of brands are are really kind of stepping into it, and I'm very excited to see that. You know, I think 
maybe it's a little bit more accepted in ladies' watches right now. So. Um, and maybe that's why you're not noticing it. There are like some, there's a pretty good selection of men's two tone watches out there. You just, you do have to actually. Do they like, still make the Seamaster in two tone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They make the Aquaterra and the Diver 300 meter in two tone. Okay. And so, like, you can definitely find two tone watches out there. You do have to, like, I feel like the problem with two-tone is people are a little hesitant to pay the two-tone price. Yeah. But, I mean, that it's gold. And, and the thing is, is a lot of these brands are going to use solid gold on there, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. You know, I think that if you're going to buy gold, buy gold. Don't do gold-plated. Like, you know, I think that personally it would turn me off to have something that's gold-plated. Like, if a, if a serious watch brand did something gold-plated, like it I do, it but I think off. a lot of brands that have done the gold plated. I'm, I'm just honestly curious to know if the process is better now than say it was 50 years ago. Because I have seen vintage watches that are two-tone that are in actually really good shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe because they weren't worn as much. I don't know. But I think that I just, I'm curious to know if over time, um, the process of gold plating has is better or you know if you know if it lasts longer yeah because I, I i think it's a good way to get into it and test the waters to see if you like it without actually like fully going into it but like you mentioned before you should just if you really want two-tone like go vintage if you don't have a huge budget because yeah. there's a lot of options you can still pick up two-tone datejust for a pretty decent amount of money um you know and then the new ones are just you know they're super high but and hard yeah. to get too but then there's the conversation about two-tone sports watches. Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel like sports watches are are such the mainstream focus right now. But where do you draw a line in precious metals and sports watches? Yeah, but just because it's a sports watch, why can't you wear gold? Why? Oh, I, mean, I mean, all it's... I agree. Yeah. But like, I, yeah. so, for example, when the Two-Tone Explorer came out, mm-hmm. there was a lot, like... I gave it a lot of grief, but only because it's 36 millimeters. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of grief because given. Gold because gold is associated with like this with dressing luxury. and luxury. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I get it. But also like it's just a metal and some people are just drawn to it. And some people look freaking phenomenal in gold. I yeah. I wish I looked better in gold. But, um, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just it's a color change and, you know, it's more malleable and, you know, whatever. It's just a different variation of the watch that's all it means to me it doesn't mean it's more luxury um i still think it's a tough as nails watch to have Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's just my that's my opinion no i mean i i agree i i like this idea and i i don't like none of us are freaking wearing sports watches we're doing sports stuff so like half of us are not let's let's go for a hike in our explorer (laughs) oh yeah you know it's like we're not really spelunking no no one's no one's going to the top of mount Mount everest with one yeah Yeah, either (laughs) right like you're wearing computers if you're going to to mount everest but yeah it's just i don't know it's weird because like you know people want two-tone but like if you if you look like that's what I do like about Omega, like that they do have the two tone like three hundred meter diver. Rolex has two tone subs. Like, oh, I love luck. them so much. Yeah, the so bluesy, cool. oh, yeah, so gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, another watch, never gonna get. But yeah, it's it's a but like other brands who do two tone sports watches, or like if you want more brands to do two tone sports watches, I think we have to just kind of change our mindset and like we have to remember at the end of the day, like these aren't tool watches anymore mm-hmm. like none of us use these as actual like the, yes there is a small faction of people who use their watches like as they're intended to use or even just use them doing whatever but like the most of us 
watches are an accessory. So, like, there's nothing wrong with having a two-tone sports watch because, like, I mean, that's how I treat my watches. Like, y'all heard me earlier. I'm trying to accessorize my watch with my outfit. <laughs> you know, like, it, it is. It, it's an accessory. And, you know, we have to be a little bit more open. But I think I think that there are more two-tone watches. If you're, if you're looking for a two-tone watch and, like, you're going to a dealer to look, like, I would ask that dealer, like, what, like, do you have stuff in stock? Because a lot of times, like, dealers are going to put out what they sell like I so I mean I think everybody knows by now that I, I worked for Omega before I, I started working for Norcane and I can tell you from experience if you go to a boutique they're not going to put a bunch of stuff out that doesn't sell immediately there's a bunch of stuff that's sitting in the back that you would never know about unless you ask for it so you know if you're interested in two-tone ask for two-tone don't mm-hmm. just assume that what's out is is all that the store has yeah so yeah it's good good advice for sure so my turn now it is. I should have a backup question. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So from Ask Math ninety five, which I don't know how I feel about your username because, like, math. math. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> math. Um, are you the type that will send a watch for service at regular intervals, or if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Mm, that's a great. question. I think that this is a good question because I feel like this is like talked about. Yeah, a lot. it is. Um, like, and argued a lot. So I will answer honestly, and that is I haven't had a watch long enough <laughs> to actually need to get it serviced because I also haven't had any issues with the watches that I've had. Actually, I take that back. I had bought a Speedmaster Reduce several years ago that I had serviced, and I've kept um, up the water resistance on a couple of my watches too, and I've gotten that checked. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I haven't fully, like I haven't given a watch to a brand, yeah. sent it off under warranty or anything like that. So I am under... I would probably fall under the category of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that being said, if I had a watch brand new and it was co- going out of warranty soon, I might go ahead and send it in. Right. Just for the sake of sending it in um, and getting serviced. And then at that point, it probably is not going back until there's a major problem after warranty. No. Um, any watch that I own currently that is not under warranty, I'm not, I'm not going to go get it serviced unless it's slow or really fast. I'm just not other than like, you know, occasionally checking the water resistance on and getting the seals and gaskets up to date. But that's all that, that's all the upkeep that I really need to do to mine unless it's keeping bad time. No. Yeah. I mean, same. I'm uh, I'm very much so of the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, first of all, like recommended service intervals are just that they're recommended. And they're getting longer and longer. They're getting the longer. Brands. Yeah. And you also can't, Not everybody wears their watches the same way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like you can't tell me that um, my, you know, any watch that I have in my collection is going to be needed a service as often as the person who this is their one watch. Yeah. And they wear this watch all the time. Yeah. You know, obviously there's different, there's a lot of different factors that go into if you need a watch service and and like how that watch will wear. Even the temperature you live in, the climate is going to affect that. So I think that you just really, I mean, do what's best for you. But at the end of the day, these brands are going to charge you the exact same amount of money. Whether you bring it in at, you know, year five when that record minute service interval is up or if you have the watch at year five it's running great and you don't bring it until you know nine years into the watch when it starts to not run great Mm -hmm. you're going to pay the same amount of money so you might as well in my opinion and I've talked to several watchmakers who are of the same mind that just enjoy it like you don't worry about it just enjoy the watch until it needs to be serviced yeah that means that like if I had like 
if I had an Omanga or a Patek, like I'd probably like follow the recommended service mm-hmm. intervals because they I'll guarantee they don't charge the same amount. But mm-hmm. your big brands, Rolex Omega, like even like the smaller brands, they all it's a it's a flat fee service yeah. unless you have precious metal. So yeah, and I'm a big it. fan too of like I unless there's a reason that you need to send the watch into the brand, I'm a big fan of just I was sending about to it ask you to, to your question. local watchmaker yeah. if they, if they're competent enough to work on some of these in house movements. I mean, they're not that complicated movements. Yeah, like I would just send it there. Um, I've had good experiences with the ones that are local here that. Um, and it's much, much cheaper. And then that's why, honestly, I'm a big fan of like this, you know, the ETA movements and some of the more common movements that you don't have to pay the price of sending it to, you know, the, the manufacturer yeah. because it is expensive. No, I think that's one of the things about in-house movements that nobody really talks about is, is the disadvantage of it is you really do need to send them back to the the manufacturer to have them service. Like mm-hmm. most watchmakers can't work on them. Most watchmakers yeah. can't get parts to work on them. And I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, if I'm spending, you know, $8,000 on a watch, I want it to have like all authentic parts to and it. And I think the argument that a lot of people would have to what you just said was what like, you if you're spending $8,000 on a watch, you should be able to spend $500 on servicing it. You know, I think that's the argument. It's I like can, you're buying a luxury item. Mean that I want. To, yeah, it doesn't mean you want like, to. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and people, you know, they put their heart on. But if I spend eight thousand dollars on a watch that has a a non in house movement, yeah, I mean, why, like, why, like, yeah. just spend a couple hundred dollars? Yeah, with a and, and and look, I think there are benefits to sending into the manufacturer. A lot of times, they'll refinish the watch to kind of like mm-hmm. what, like a brand new finishing. And for that, yeah, I don't trust yeah, some yeah, of the watchmakers. Yeah, of they course. don't have the same tools. And I do like there are pieces of mine like when I send my sub if I ever have to send it in I want them to refinish it you know yeah. like new I don't care about like, a little bit of polishing I, I have no interest in keeping my watch in original untouched condition I want it to look as good as possible yeah, all the time not removing that much material. no and and like, and I would I, trust the brand the brand to, to do, do that for yeah. me um, I don't want that done by anybody else per se but um you know it's just back and forth it depends on what what, what and watch. why yeah. you're sending the watch in but yeah, for a normal service, like just try to get it, you know. I, and honestly, yeah, I'm not going to send it in unless it's running poorly. So. Yeah, unless I have a major problem, I'm not. I'm not dealing with it. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep it. All right. So, um, from Nesqy Dave, does Omega need a completely new sports watch line that's non-master? Oh, yeah, that's a pretty cool question. I don't know that they need a new sports line. They have a lot of models. Because there's a lot. They they already make a lot of watches. And I feel like the Omega catalog is is But I think big. he's asking because like everything now everything is master now is chronometer. Master so like is there a lower end watch they could bring in? Do you think I don't think they're they're going to. Yeah. Like I, I think that from my understanding, you know, and I it's not like insider information. Omega has been pretty public about it that they want to move everything towards their in-house movements. And it's with a crazy their good movement. movement yeah. it is, it's a great movement. They're the brand is elevating themselves. You know, yeah, do I miss I miss the 2500 caliber. That's a great freaking movement. Yeah. It, it's a phenomenal movement. Um, you know, and it, it's honestly the movement that really kind of branched out and inspired the in-house movements that Omega makes. Mm-hmm. But 
I, the brand is just trying to elevate themselves. And I, I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot, you know, I worked for the brand for nine years and I can see how much more serious it's taken in the community. It, you know, over that time, they've definitely done a phenomenal job. The The meta certified movements are, they really are phenomenal movements. The in-house movements are, um, I, I do as a collector. Yeah. I would love to go back to the days of like a $4,000 Omega. Yeah. You know, I, you can still get it in like the DeVille collection, the DeVille collection still like the DeVille prestigious. You think that's that sports watch though? No, I'm yeah. just saying in general, like yeah. you still have that option. Um, but I mean, I, I think no matter what, you're going to get the master chronometer certification. Even the entry, I think their entry level sports watch is still the rail master. Yeah. But it still has the meta certified movement. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it was 4,900 as of last October. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the thing is, is like you see brands like Oris did that last year when they brought in their new caliber and their in-house movement, but yet they're still offering, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what they use if it was an ETA or I think it's an ETA movement. It that was they use. okay. But like they, you know, they're offering both still. They're uh-huh. giving the customer the option whether you want in-house or you don't want in-house. And I think that's really great. I think mm-hmm. that's because there's a lot of people that do, but there's a lot of people that don't care. I'm personally I don't care. Yeah. I, I want the watch, but I don't really need the in-house movement. Yeah. Um now saying that like I mean, Omega's got some fantastic movements. Why would you not want to? But if you're under a budget and you still want to own a Seamaster mm-hmm. or an Aquaterra or, you know, whatever, it kind of would be nice to have oh, that no, lower agree. end option. Yeah. But at the same time, like so much of the identity of Omega now is behind their movement. So like yeah. you like you mentioned, like it's, it's such a part of them that I don't think they would do it. Um, it's kind of like almost taking a step backwards. Like if they hadn't gotten rid of them, it would make sense for them to keep them in the line. Yeah, but, but now they now have gotten rid of it. They all. have gotten rid yeah. of them. So they're not going to go back to that. Right. Um, and they're definitely not seeing a decrease in sales. So oh. I don't know that they would offer that. Um, the best thing you can do is like look for a used one. If you want to spend a little less, they yeah. they come up on the used market pretty decently. And, um, you know, you can save several hundred dollars, several hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But um, that's one thing, you know, Omega, the resale value tends to drop quite a bit after it's bought new. So you can you can kind of hope for that, but uh, once you have one of those and you have that movement, I, I don't think you'd want anything less than that. Yeah, it's I mean, there's not other than price. There's not the biggest advantage. I mean, you could you could make an argument about case thickness, but I mean, the new Diver, the new Diver three hundred is thin. not that much thicker than the previous. Generation I, th- I thought it wears really thin. And if you want to be technical, the new Planet Oceans are thinner than the previous generation Planet yeah. Ocean. Um, I think the new moon watch is, is really about the same thickness if I remember correctly. So like, I mean, it's not, there's really not a reason to not have it other than the price point. Like you said, Oris does a great job at doing both. Norcane does both. Norcane mm-hmm. has like, we have our, uh, manufacturer caliber with mm-hmm. Kinesi and like their both versions are offered. Um, I think for people in the Watts community, I think that that's very much so appreciated. And I, I get the idea that like, hey, maybe you want an entry level. Maybe movements don't necessarily matter to to you. They don't, they matter to me, but not enough to like really sway my opinion on a watch. Like mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm choosing between two watches, one has a manufacturer or like an in-house movement, one doesn't. I'm just going to choose the watch that I just love more, that yeah. I find more attractive. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, just like you said, I don't think Omega is going to take a step back. They've already like gotten rid of it. They're not going to go back to it. No. Um, because it would be... 
for them to do that would be for them to say our main our like our in-house movements isn't isn't good enough yeah so let's also do this yeah they're just they're elevating i think if they had kept the line going then it would make sense for them to continue it but the fact that they've already discontinued those models they're not going to go back yeah so if Um, they did a new sports line a new a whole new i would like to see a new sports line i think i think that would actually be meta certified yeah i think a new sports line though just kind of going back to that part of the question would be really cool what would you want to see i don't know i mean it's like they do a like deep diver which is like the planet ocean planet ocean professional and then they have like the normal everyday diver which is the seamaster and then they've got the aqua tarot it's just like the explorer alternative it's like what else can they do? And they have the, you know, yeah, speedy. the speedmaster. It's like, man, I don't know what. Even the new constellations are sporty. They are sporty. Yeah, it's like what could they? What they what could go back could to they the fill? Aquaterra without the high polished center link. I That's, personally, I would love for them to spend more time on their bracelets because same. I think that is where Omega for me lacks, just compared to the other brands. Even mm-hmm. Tudor, I think. I just I love the watches so much, but then the downside is always the bracelet for yeah. me. And there and the thing was like about five six years ago they had great bracelets. I've had Aquateras with fantastic bracelets, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, guys. I love the brand so much, but I just spend some time. Your watches are great. Spend some more time on your bracelets, but um, I don't know what they could do. They have so much in their in their catalog right now. Um, but like you said, maybe a, like a more rugged Aquaterra. Because I feel like the Aquaterra, they've done that with the divers, right? We've gotten some more rugged options, yeah. different materials. Like what if they did that with Aquaterra line? Just like a couple really, really cool models. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, personally. What you got? Oh, oh, I don't know if this is a sports watch line, but like. I love like the Railmaster series and I love like the old Rancheros. I would love, I would love to a see a, a new Ranchero. Same. Take my money. Same. White dial, creamy loom. Ooh. <laughs> All right, creamy loom. Somebody asked oh, yeah, us so about Fontina. <laughs> All right, that would be like, our last question. Yeah, last yeah. question. <laughs> so somebody asked, I, I like, I feel bad not saying username after we've said usernames about everybody else. <laughs> okay, so at, oh, at uh, Omega Railmaster. Oh, there you go. <laughs> asked, what are your thoughts on Fontina? So creamy yeah. loom, let's hear it. Thoughts on Fontina. I have absolutely zero problem with it. I think that I think people make a bigger deal of it than it really is. It's just a different color loom. Now we're seeing black loom and green loom and multicolor loom. You just look at it as a different color. It looks like it is from the past, but there's so many things in our lives that we buy and we we like because they look like something vintage, yeah. right? Um, you know, I was looking at a record player that I was going to buy and it looks like it's from the 70s, but it's brand new, yeah. right? There's so many things we buy that are vintage looking and to me, it's just it's just an appeal of a watch. Um, like I had the Seamaster Bond, it had patinaed loom on it, what it you know looked like patinaed loom, but the watch didn't feel old to me, and mm-hmm. it fit the watch so well that white loom would have just looked weird. Yeah, and so I think it depends on the watch. It's been done really well, and it's been done really shitty, and it just depends on <laughs> how the brand does it for me. But honestly, I just look at it as a different color loom. Yeah, and, that, and that's that's it. What about no, you? I agree. I think that I think I used to be much more of a hater on faux patina, but it, there are circumstances where it just makes sense. Like mm-hmm. on the Bond watch, if you had regular bright white markers against a chocolate color dial it's gonna look so stupid yeah and the same thing like 
with a lot of the watches that have the faux patina, the Railmaster collection mm-hmm. has faux patina. You know, I think sometimes it can get a little heavy. I think really Omega is probably one of the only big, big brands who like regularly is using faux patina a mm-hmm. lot. Um, you know, I think some brands do it a little bit. I think Omega is probably one of the the guiltier brands as far as like really relying on, on faux patina, but they also do a lot of vintage reissue watches yeah. and it just makes sense. Yeah. You can't have a vintage reissue watch or a vintage inspired watch and bright white yeah. like markers and hands. It just, it wouldn't match. Like you said, like we buy a lot of vintage inspired things mm-hmm. that are meant to be like to look a little bit older. And I don't think that they do it too forcefully. I don't think most brands do it too forcefully. Mm-hmm. I think it's, in most cases, it's done very tastefully and it makes sense, like from an yeah. aesthetic standpoint. It so just, I'm like okay it says, it, it makes sense. It looks better. I, I just recently bought a Zodiac Super Seawolf, like a skin diver, and it's got, oh, I forgot it's that got, you bought that. Yeah, <laughs> it's got like a cream dial, and the loom on it is also kind of creamed as well because yeah. the white would just like look odd. So I think it's just about color palette a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I don't think brands even are trying to give the watch an old look. Like, for instance, the Bond Seamaster, I don't think they were trying to make that watch look old it's just that that loom is what looked good for that watch yeah and just made sense and and uh i yeah i have no problem with it i think for a time we were annoyed only because like every watch brand was doing it but now i'm just like it's whatever it's just a different color yeah like that's all it is yeah. Just do it right and make sure it, it goes with the watch. I've certainly seen watches with like really harsh mustard yellow loom and it's just like, eh, it's a bit much. It's, it stands out. It doesn't look great. But um, for the most part, I, I don't I don't mind it. All right. Yeah. There we go. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. We hit an hour. We did pretty good. All right. We did good. Yeah. I thought we went <laughs> over an hour. So, uh, Maybe maybe just over. I don't know. I can't really. I can't read the 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 Zoom recorder is very difficult to read. It's, <laughs> it's like red small. red numbers. <laughs> but we're we're I think we're around the hour mark. So um, we'll call it a day. And we we enjoyed everyone that sent in questions. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, we always have fun with these episodes. They are fun. And uh, we'll be back in a few weeks, probably. <laughs> we'll be back when we're back. Um, <laughs> you can follow us on, on our Instagram yeah. that we we tried to post, and time is a, a thing. We're so always we answering DMs, yeah, yeah, yeah. though. If we're you ever there. have a question, you know, yeah, DM us. We're definitely. always paying attention, and, and we thank everyone that tags us and things, too. We're, yeah. We're there and about, but we, we, yeah, we've slowed down our postings just because we're so busy and I'm sure everyone can relate to that. <laughs> so you watch photos is very time consuming. <laughs> you know? It is because you get to a certain level and I'm sure, you know, uh, people can understand you get to a certain level with your watch photography and you're like, you don't just want to take the iPhone shot anymore. You I'm have just, to just overdo I it. To. I was, we were joking or I joked about this at lunch. I really want to like just make an account yeah, and like just, but just nothing. What's but crazy is for so long that's all we had that's all we did and I had like really good shots with my phone and now I try to take a photo I'm like why can't I take a photo anymore I took like three photos on my phone (laughs) and that was it and now like I have a camera like I posted a wrist shot the other day. It took me like freaking 40 times like, to freaking get a wrist shot because you got to get the lighting right. Yeah. And then like the, the oh God. It's just, yeah. It's There's so people much. out there taking phenomenal photos with, with their iPhone. It's great. So yeah. And I, more power to you. I, I need to get better about using my phone. They're, they are really great tools and we all have them in our pocket. And um, yeah, I think we just need to use them more. Yeah. We just got to use them more. 
But um, all, right, all right, guys. That was our last little rant. So <laughs> sorry. Um, y'all have a wonderful afternoon, evening, yeah. morning, whatever time of day you're listening yeah. to this on. And we will talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.